Hello, this is Victoria, and for the next hour, I'll be reading from the June 12th issue of the Toronto Star on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Indigenous History Month recognizes David LaViolette, Lanark County OPP Detachment. In celebration of National Indigenous History Month, Metroland induces, introduces readers to 30 Indigenous people who are making, the, who are making a difference. David LaViolette, East Region OPP. Question. What is your position with the Ontario Provincial Police? Answer. I am the East Region Coordinator for the People Liaison Team. I like this position as I get to work with Indigenous communities and people. In this position, I've met so many great people throughout the region and have seen so many great things that the communities are doing for reconciliation. The mandate is to establish and maintain open, transparent lines of communication with all stakeholders who may be affected, directly or indirectly, by major events. One of our roles is to develop stronger relationships with key parties, particularly Indigenous leaders and their communities. Next question. Tell us about what you do or your calling. Answer. I am a husband, father, son, brother, uncle, and of course, I am a surgeon with the Ontario Provincial Police, an Indigenous policing bureau. I am extremely proud of my profession, and I don't want that to define who I am. Question. Why is that your passion? Answer. My passion is my family, but for policing, it is building relationships with Indigenous communities and changing negative relationships with police and the communities, teaching people about Indigenous culture and history. The next question, tell us what drives you. Answer, my family drives me to be a better husband, father, friend, etc. I always want to be a better person. I'm not perfect, but I'm always open to learn new things. Question, what is the best advice you've ever had received and from whom? Why does that resonate with you? Answer, the best advice I got was to treat everyone with the same respect as I would want, which is what my father taught me at a young age. I use this every day in my personal and work life. Last question, if a non-Indigenous Canadian learns one thing about Indigenous history this month, what should it be? Answer, Every Indigenous person has a story. Every community is unique. We are still here and thriving. The next article is titled, I'm Beautiful, I'm Worthy. Chief Lady Bird shares insights as Indigenous artist. Chief Lady Bird is an Anishinaabe visual artist from Rama First Nation who adopted her spirit name, Ogima Kui professionally. She paints and illustrates with the intention of empowering and uplifting Indigenous people and is well known for murals in Toronto and gallery showings. She was commissioned to create an Xbox logo for the last year's Indigenous People's Day. I work in woodland style and more graphic illustrative styles as well and sometimes the two converge, she said. My subject matter is inspired by my relationship to my body and land, and my visual storytelling comes from moments of connection, which is a very broad concept. Sometimes her inspiration comes from simple moments like standing in the river with her family, under a starry sky, waiting for the pickerel and giant, and watching a giant beaver dive into the water from a shoreline. 
Other times, my inspiration comes from the fire in my belly that makes me want to fight against the status quo and monolithic representations of indigeneity to provide insight and savior environments for our people to be themselves in their beautiful, diverse ways. The use of color is important to Chief Ladybird to bring joy to her imagery. I want my colors, line work, and subject matter to activate my viewers. I want my art to be a catalyst for connection, she said, connection to our bodies and the land, and through that connection, hopefully, inspire folks to create positive change. I want our people to look in the mirror and say, I'm beautiful. I am worthy. I want our people to find access to culture. I want our people to know that they deserve belonging. Along with her own work, Chief Ladybird partnered with big with book offers to illustrate Nibi's Water Song, Together We Drum, Our Hearts Beat As One, and Smile So Big. When asked about the best advice she received, she replied it was about following her heart. In this case, turning down more commissioned work for the time being. Fellow artist and friend Christy Belcourt said my choice to take a step back and take a break is smart. Chief Lady Bird said, and the reason and the reason we had this conversation is because I'm burnt out. Somehow my art practice turned into a nine to five situation where I am sitting at my computer desk all day, making art for institutions who see my work as a product and not a piece of my spirit. And to be quite frank, it sucks. I don't feel myself. I want to slow down again, like it did during the pandemic lockdown times. When the world shut down, a beautiful fault of flow established in her life, she said. She reconnected to her homeland and adjusted her time to include resting, moving her body, spending time with loved ones, eating breakfast by the river, and learning her Anishinaabe language. And the world returned to normal, she abandoned these purposeful intentions and now wants to get back to the slowness of life. I want to feed my family from our garden and eat the fish my partner harvests. I want to make art that tells stories, nor not art that gets thrown into a mosaic of capitalistic practices. I don't want to be consumed. I want to bring value to my community. For Indigenous History Month, she urges people to watch or revisit the 1994 film Dance Me Outside, which provides perspective into how long First Nations communities have been talking about the missing and murdered Indigenous women, girls, and two-spirit crisis. Georgina Island's Vicki Wolsk defends the sacred. Vicki Wolsk watched the school children as they hugged the jar of water. They whispered and sang to it about beauty and love, and Wolski's heart swelled. As a member of the Chippewas of Regina Island, Wolski thrilled to see this multicultural group at Brews Mills Water Festival learning important lessons about water, themselves, and Indigenous teachings that were, for many years, buried in shame. There was a time not long ago where sacred knowledge was kept secret, that this honoring of tradition and respect for Mother Earth. Residential schools and the 60s scoop drove First Nation values and ceremonies into hiding. Women, traditionally keepers of water, the source of all life, could not do their work without fear. Today, Wolsk is working hard to revive those ceremonies through programs like the one at Bruce Mills Conservation Area, and she sees reason for hope. The jar experiment is one such example. Throughout the day, grade 4 students visited her tent and learned about the importance of water, 
the lifeblood of Mother Earth as a precious resource connecting us all. She invited them to partake in an intriguing experiment with two jars of water. One jar received all their energy and love. They spoke to it with kind words, drumming the song. The other jar, they ignored. Later, the water samples, frozen and thawed, showed definite differences, Wolk said. The loved water melted into beautiful snowflake-like formations. We must be kind to the water in our lakes, rivers, and streams. And we must also be kind to ourselves, as vessels of water that flows through our bodies, she told them. Wolfsk shared a similar message at Aurora High School, where she was invited to guide students' water walk ceremony. Unlike previous generations, these young people seemed open and respectful towards Indigenous teachings, clamoring for a chance to take part in smudging and learning about this land's nearly forgotten heritage. Wolfsk water work continues this month as the third annual Paddle Around Shining Waters, aka Lake Simcoe, the waters of Anishinaabe territory, to raise awareness of its need for protection. Later this summer, she joins the massive West Coast Tribal Canoe Journey, the first team representing Ontario First Nations. Wolsk, a mother and a grandmother, sees her work as twofold, defending precious resources for future generations and fighting the shame and racism that has dogged Canada's First Nations for generations. This has always been my passion, she said, growing up, hearing the love my mother had for the water. Whenever she needed time for herself or had struggles, she went to the water and found peace. Now, more than ever, the water needs our help, she said. It's not just an Indigenous problem, it's everyone's. I wish that we all take care of Mother Earth. Pedestrian seriously injured in Scarborough crash. A man suffered serious injuries after being hit by a vehicle in Scarborough Friday afternoon. The pedestrian was struck on Innisdale Drive near Pharmacy Avenue at 1.51 p.m. The driver remained on the scene, police said. Toronto Paramedic Services Deputy Commander Nicole Rodriguez said paramedics transported a man to a trauma centre with a serious but non-life-threatening injury. Innisdale Drive is currently closed as police investigate on scene. Anyone with information should call Police Traffic Services at 416-808-1900. That is 416-808-1900. Significant schedule changes to GO Train service June 9-11 impacting riders in Niagara, Hamilton, Burlington, Oakville, Mississauga, and Toronto. Go Transit is implementing what is called significant schedule adjustments to its Lakeshore West train this weekend, beginning Friday, June 9th. Go Train service will run between Oakville Go and Unionville Station and Niagara Trains N at Aldershot Go. Shuttle service will be in place for a portion of your trip, Go Transit said in its update on its website, telling travelers to plan ahead. Starting late Friday, June 9th, until the end of service Sunday, June 11th, Lakeshore West train will be adjusted, Go Transit said. Buses will replace the transit service between Oakville and West Harbor Go. In preparation for the upcoming construction of Borough Drive grade separation, we need to move infrastructure in the corridor, and this can only be done when trains are not running, Go Transit said. Here's what riders need to know. 
Niagara Falls train service will end at Aldershot Go. Shuttle bus service will run between West Harbor and Oakville Go stations. The Go train service will run between Oakville Go and Union Station. Regular service will resume Monday, June 12th. What is our option? Go train service cuts to Scarborough at Agent Court area, leaving residents feeling stranded. People of Agent Court Village began to think hourly and weekend Go train service at their station was worth years of construction, lost backyard trees, and noise barriers some believe are faulty. Then, on April 8th, the provincial transit agency, Metrolinx, took this higher level of service away and hasn't said when it will return. Train service weekdays only during peak hours, no go bus service. A portable sign facing the Agent Court Station parking lot flashed one Friday morning at 10 a.m. southbound train. Bells clanged, pulled it in and out. That's the last train of the day, until Monday. Rhonda Potter, president of the Agent Court Village Community Association, said as neighbors began to gather, We're going to have trains every 15 minutes. I'll probably never see that. But at least they were coming every hour, she said. Agent Court and Milliken are back to morning com commuter geared service to communities they had in 2015 before Metrolinx decided to double track the Stouffville Rail Corridor, a project still unfinished. The same service cut also affects Unionville, but commuters there go get go buses downtown. Scarboroughs do not. Metrolinx said these changes are temporary. But Potter said they will have added an hour or more trips downtown for people outside weekday rush times. That's made people in Asian Court who used to go used go to attend events downtown or on weekend trips to other places feel cut off. What is your option? You want people to use transit and are making it hard, said Castani, who commutes downtown and doesn't have a car. Jen Wang said she and her husband both worked downtown and moved to Agincourt for the convenience of hourly service in July 2021. Tammy Ho said the lacking of a timeline for resuming hourly and weekend service is the most disappointing part. EatMoreScarbo.com founder Howard Tam said he took the train at off times and wished the community was told why Metrolinx can't provide shuttle buses. The new Agincourt station Building closes weekly at 11.45 a.m., so it's open 27% of the weekend, he added. Trains to Union Station from Agent Court takes 27 minutes, but Porter said the TTC takes an hour and 15 minutes using Don Mills Subway Station and one hour 26 minutes using Kennedy Station, and the Scarborough Rapid Transit Line shuts down this year. The association has an uneasy relationship with Metrolinx. Potter's group voiced noise and safety concerns around double tracking in 2017 before the work began. Now, the indefinite service cut makes residents feel time and trouble spent on the project, for which included loss of land and trees, has been spent for nothing, Potter said. Statements by Metrolinx in response to the question, however, say the changes are necessary to deliver on our commitment of frequent two-way all-day service for the Stouffville line. The agency said more downtown on the corridor gives crews more chances to perform important upgrades and make faster progress on important capital and infrastructure maintenance projects. 
This includes work in the corridor and improvements at Kennedy, Agent Court, Millican, and Unionville GO stations for the double tracking. But it also speeds up corridor widening work happening on Lakeshore East Line, where the two lines share a corridor, Metrolink said. The majority of work will be completed this year. Increased service resulting from the second track will begin next year, the agency promised adding how it's listening to feedback from community members to understand how we can provide consumers with the best possible service, while work continues. As for why GoBus Route 71 is not taking passengers downtown from Scarborough, Metrolink said extending the bus service to Agent Court would result in longer trip times for customers in Markham who rely on routes but do not have access to the TTC. Metrolinks added that it strives to ensure the best possible balance in service Provisions. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Toronto Star on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. America Express Canada launches grant program for Toronto restaurants. America Express Canada has launched a grant program to help restaurant owners in Toronto. The initiative is called Backing International Small Restaurants Program which will provide six grants of $19,500 to help fund physical improvements, support critical costs, and positively impact the experiences the restaurants provide to their communities, according to a news release. The program, which in its second year, is run by the International Downtown Association Foundation, which aims to support restaurants owned by individuals from underrepresented or economically vulnerable groups in five major cities globally. Local restaurants are essential to the vibrancy of our neighborhoods and are special places where people meet and connect, said Carrie Ann Santaguita, General Manager and Vice President of Merchant Services, American Express Canada. We are proud to offer this opportunity to independent restaurants and to be able to help these business owners continue to serve their customers in such a meaningful way. Rhinos can't go extinct in Toronto, zookeepers life. They just can't. If someone asked me 17 years ago to 17 years ago what kind of zookeeper I wanted to be, I would have said big cat keeper. Fast forward to present day, having cared for nine rhinos, soon will be ten. Two different species attended four rhino keeper workshops and two trips to Africa later. I am most certainly identified as a rhino fanatic. When I researched rhinos for my first animal keeper talks, I learned that there were 22,000 white rhinos left and one was being poached every day. Today, we have only around 15,900 rhinos with two to three poached every day in Africa. As I stare out at these three white rhinos here at Toronto Zoo from the Overlook in African Savannah, about to chat with some guests, it hits me devastatingly, that these three animals are the visible representation of the poaching statistic. They are smart, sensitive, and gentle animals once you've built their trust. They can't go extinct in my lifetime. They just can't. Funding for rhino conservation, both at the zoo and off-site, led to my first trip, visiting Liwa Wildlife Conservancy in Kenya and seeing wild black and white rhinos, plus other African species I work, was life-changing. You ask yourself, how do we ensure these places can fight for the good fight? Rhinos are umbrella species. They protect all the others that live in the same habitat. 
meaning their extinction will have an extreme ecological impact. I was also invited to visit other conservation projects in South Africa through Global Conservation Corps, a conservation effort nonprofit. This is where I visited my first baby rhino orphanage and spoke with conservationists on the reality of the poaching crisis. Again, how can I help all the way over here in Canada? I went back to school for fundraising management in hopes to help rhino conservation organizations. I currently volunteer for the International Rhino Foundation and felt I also wanted to help on the ground through COVID travel restrictions delayed those plans a few years. In February, I had an incredible experience volunteering at a baby rhino orphanage, Care for Wild, hoping my skill set would be an asset for them. Although feeding and caring for the babies was a perk, I went specifically to see how they were so successful at taking these traumatized babies, rewild them, and watching them thrive, albeit in intensive protection zones. The threats are real, but there is hope. There are amazing people on the ground fighting to save the species and they are truly my heroes. Come and visit our rhinos at the Toronto Zoo so you too can be part of Team Rhino. Morris Switzer on educating Canadians on the treaties to become a model for the world in human rights. For Morris Switzer, education is key to having a better tomorrow. It was while a director of communications for first the Assembly of First Nations and then the Ontario of Na Ontar the Union of Ontario Indians that the former Prairie newspaper publisher realized that an important part of communications, particularly for Indigenous people, was public education because so many ca Can Canadian people know so little about them because it wasn't included in the school curriculum for decades. Now retired, Switzer lives in North Bay, where he volunteers on board for the North Bay Perry Sound District Health Unit Board and Nipissing University's Indigenous Council on Education and continues to focus on educating Canadians about the treaties the Crown signed with Indigenous communities, including how his journalism, public speaking, engagements, and graphic novel, We Are All Treaty People. I know there are certain segments of the population that say, oh, that's ancient history. But the fact of the matter is Canada exists because First Nations agreed to share their land with newcomers in treaties across the country. The breaking of those promises has led to a lot of socioeconomic disadvantages and gaps that has marginalized the Indigenous people. And the courts are now starting to recognize that, he said, noting that all Canadian citizens have treaty rights and obligations. He hopes Canada can become a model for the world in human rights and how and how to have a really good relationship between the first peoples who were here and everybody else who is coming. Switzer, the chief of Mississaugas of Alderville First Nation, of which his grandfather was chief in 1905 to 1909, grew up in Lakeville, Ontario, after his grandparents left the reserve for opportunities in employment and education. His late wife, Mary, who he said grew up in Toronto but was immersed in her family's Slovakian language and culture, advised him to be himself, he said. There have been many times where I remembered that because when we are in positions, whether you're in a politician or in some cases a teacher or corporate executive, in many ways, you're kind of playing a role, he said. Switzer also keeps in mind the words of a man who received what is today called the Inspire Awards. A man said he was very lucky to have been in a position where he can help other people. 
while educators shouldn't gloss over the negatives while teaching others about Canada's history with Indigenous people, including residential schools, in age-appropriate ways. Switzer said that he emphasizes to teachers that there are so many contributions Indigenous people have made, such as being Canada's main defense force in the War of 1812 with the United States. In more modern times, he pointed out that Canadian Medical Association President Dr. Alaka Lafiante is an Indigenous doctor from Saskatchewan, and Brad Ridger here of Peter Brillantine Cree Nation in Saskatchewan was the 2020 president of the Canadian Bar Association. In every walk in medicine, in entertainment, in sports, just in Canada, there have been countless examples of achievers, and I encourage teachers to tell those stories, he said. Otherwise, the danger is the kids would just think of Indigenous people as a problem people. And yes, we have had our share of challenges, but we've been very resilient. There have been people who have gone to residential schools and have accomplished great things. One of Canada's most respected authors, Thompson Highway, was in residential school. Switzer recalls a book highlighting the accomplishment of Indigenous people, noting information could now be found online for those looking to learn more. Mabel Ertz in a typical breaks ground this weekend on Mabel Park Clubhouse. Mabel Eats will break ground Sunday, Saturday afternoon on his clubhouse, the first milestone in the Mabel Park Transformation Project, the typical non-profit arts organization's largest project, yet reinforces the Islington Avenue and Dundas Street West Arc Parquet as a critical piece of social infrastructure where residents can co-create art and newcomers are welcomed. Mabel Arts said in a statement. It is Canada's first park revitalization led by community arts organization. Central to the transformation is a 1,200 square foot clubhouse and performance stage and an upgraded and safer outdoor kitchen and community garden design in consultation with Indigenous artists and activists Val T. Vint. New accessible paths, additional trees, upgrading lightning, upgraded light, lighting, seating, and benches. It is going to be game-changing for this community, Lee Houston, Mabel Arts Executive Director, told Toronto.com in an interview last fall. I'm excited to be redefining what a city park can do and be. It's really and can be really applying an anti-oppression and equity lens to park design, which is certainly one of the first in Canada. Community members are invited to attend June 10th at 2 p.m. Groundbreaking at Maple Park, 49 Maple Avenue, to hear short remarks, a musical performance by Labyrinth, and symbolic planting of both, and symbolic planting of both native and new to Canada seedlings that will form part of the future community garden. Check in at 1:45 p.m. New federal funding in support of Maple Arts Maple Park transformation project will be announced. Since 2007, Mabel Arts has acted as a bridge between 7,000 majority, racialized, multi-generational, largely newcomer high-rise residents and cultures, transforming the previously negative thoroughfare into a vibrant hub where residents, including a strong Muslim population, connect through creating art. At 3 p.m., Mabel Arts will host the Walk with Amal Parade, beginning at 5,000 5005 Dundas Street West, ending at Montgomery End, 4709 Dundas Street West. Little Amal, a 20, a 12-foot-tall puppet, 
and a ten of ten year Syrian refugee, has traveled the world to shine a light on large numbers of children fleeing war, violence, and persecution. Little Amal arrived in Toronto on June seventh. She will walk across the region for five days, looking for hope and her new home. Her Toronto walks end Sunday, June eleventh. Things to do in Scarborough, June 8th to 16th. Events include theater, concerts, and cultural events. Little Amal, a refugee child, arrives in Toronto all by herself looking for a mother and a home. What should we do? Let's welcome Little Amal, a 12-foot puppet of a 10-year-old Syrian refugee who has traveled through 13 countries to 90 cities across Turkey, Europe, and New York City. She arrived in Toronto on June 7th. She will walk across the region for five days looking for hope and a new home. She will be welcomed by musicians, dancers, children and elders, civic leaders, community organizers, newcomers, fellow refugees, and you in a journey of art and hope. Greet her, walk with her, offer words of wisdom and cheers of encouragement. See the world through the eyes of a child who is forced to leave the war-torn home. On behalf of displaced children everywhere, she asks that we take note, offer support, and hear her message to the world. Don't forget about us. Amal's visit to Toronto will be a magical, once-in-a-lifetime experience. Remaining dates include Thursday, June 8th in Scarborough, noon at 2 p.m., 2 to 3 p.m. at the University of Toronto, 6 to 7 p.m. at Regent Park, Friday, June 9th in Brampton, noon to 1 p.m., 3 to 4 p.m. at Thorncliffe Park, 6.15 to 7.30 p.m. at Broader Center, Saturday, June 10th, 11 a.m. to noon in Mississauga, 3 to 4 p.m. in Etivocal, 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. in Esplanade, Sunday, June 11th at the Bentway, 3 to 4 p.m. at Young Dundas, and 6 to 7 p.m. at the Waterfront. Upcoming Theatre Scarborough Theatre Guild presents Time After Time about Jack the Ripper in 1980 San Francisco, June 7th, June 2nd to 17th, various times. Scarborough Players' next show, George Burden at Shaw's Arm and the Man, runs June 30th to July 15th, various times. For more information on these groups as well as Scarborough Players, visit theaterscarborough.com. Scarborough's Village Theatre is located at 3600 Kingston Road. Music Fundraiser. For the Love of Music Fundraiser, Friday, June 9th, 7 p.m. at Mark's United Church, 115 Orton Park Road in Scarborough. Take in a wonderful night of music featuring the Mark Choir and an amazing list of guest artists. Cash Wine Bar during intermission. Pinoy Fiesta. And Trade Show, Toronto, Saturday, June 10th, 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. at Albert Campbell Square, 150 Borough Drive. Enjoy all-day live entertainment, scrumptious cuisines, culture displays, or go shopping at our booths. The event will celebrate Filipino Heritage Month and Philippine Independence. Be a part of unfurling of one of the best, biggest Philippine flags. Other highlights will include a Santa Cruz and Parade, fashion show, Zumba, and so much more. Formerly held at the Metro Toronto Convention Centre, the Philippine-Canadian Charitable Foundation, PCACF, is proud to present the 13th Pinot Fiesta and Trade Show Set Toronto in a safe outdoor space. 
PCCF's motto is, have fun while helping others. Save the Bread. Save the Bread is a non-for-profit, community-driven social enterprise working on several goals that are all tied up with one foremost issue, food waste. Partnered with Krispy Kreme Donuts, Save the Bread sells donuts and raises funds that are used to benefit underprivileged individuals in several ways. Saturday, June 10th, 3 to 8 p.m. at Morningside Park, Thompson Memorial Park, 1107 Brimley Road. Or Exhibition, the Queer Tamils Collective or Exhibition, hosted at Scarborough Museum, explores the question of belonging when faced with fractures of displacements through war, colonialism, case violence, and queerphobia. Through a carefully created selection of sculptures, textiles, paintings, portraits, and videos, 12 queer Tamil artists from across the globe remember and revisit their complex histories while reimagining new possibilities of resistance in the face of the growing bigotry and intolerance, in hopes of carving out a new place of belonging that presents binaries, borders, space, and time. It runs the Scarborough Museum, 107 Brimley Road, June 11th to January 31st. You are listening to a reading of articles and features from the Toronto Star on the Niagara Frontier Radio Reading Service. Safety is our number one priority. Canada Post issues service delivery notice in Ontario due to wildfire smoke. Today, deliveries across the province of Ontario could be impacted as smoke from wildfires has caused poor air quality. Canada Post has issued a yellow mail delivery service alert for the province of Ontario today, June 8th. Today, deliveries across the province of Ontario could be impacted as smoke from wildfires has caused poor quality, the agency said on social media. The yellow delivery service alert means staff will do their best to deliver their mail, but may be delayed or interrupted. Other parts of Canada are in a red mail delivery service alert, which means delivery is suspended. Delivery will resume when conditions are safe. The safety of our employees is our number one priority, Canada Post said on its website. When more information is on the website, Canada Post will add its closures and service interruptions section on its website. Man seriously hurt in a typical industrial accident. The Ministry of Labour is investigating after a man suffered serious injuries in an industrial accident in a typical Friday morning. The incident happened near Queen's Plate Drive and Roxdale Boulevard at 8.29am. The Toronto Police said they received reports of a worker injured on machinery. A Toronto Paramedic Service spokesperson said a man, estimated to be in his 30s, suffered very serious injuries and was taken to a trauma centre. Police at the Ministry of Labour is investigating the incident. Spectators will be able to tee up this year's RBC Canadian Open in Toronto. Fans will be able to play a hole at the North York Oakdale's Golf and Country Club when it hosts the PGA Tour June 6 to 12. Its unique spectator experience is possible because the club, Nestled south of Jane and Shepherd has 27 holes on its property, but the PGA's RBC Canadian Open event needs just 18 of them. It's going to be a legit 150-yard plus par 3 that you get to play like a real hole, said Arby Levi, Senior Vice President of Marketing and Content for the Score, which is sponsoring the hole. It is not come. 
It just not come up and take a swing at a simulator or range. You play an entire hole. Stations will be set up around Oakdale during the Canadian Open, where fans can sign up for a time slot at the so-called hole zero. Golf carts will pick them up at the station and take them to the extra hole. We're going to have coaching on site for you, and we're going to have a caddy. We're going to kit you out with a locker room," said Levi in a news release. The hope is to make you feel like a pro for a 20-minute block, whether you play like a pro or not. This is the first time fans will be able to play at a PGA Tour event, albeit on an extra 19th hole, according to the score bet. After practice rounds and pro aims on June 6 and 7, the four-round RBC Canadian Open starts June 8th and runs to June 11th with star Rory McIlroy expected to bat expected back in the prestigious event two-time defending champion, including last year at a typical St. George Golf Club and Country Club. This week include concerts by the Black Eyed Peas and Atlantis Morissette on Friday and Saturday, respectively. You've been listening to a reading of articles and features from the June 12th issue of the Toronto Star. Your reader has been Victoria. Thank you for listening.